This is the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR, Full Tank with Phil, of course. And on this week's episode, we are going to take a look back at Richmond. This is the first time you're ever joining us. You're coming in at a great time because we are hot, hot, hot. So we're going to talk about those picks at Richmond, talk about the race in general, and then, of course, begrudgingly, I guess, move on to Talladega. This is such a cool track to try to break down just because of the lottery aspect of it a lot of high value high odds out there for us so we're going to talk about winners talk about the wild top 10 section and then of course make an attempt to keep up the hot streak in the head-to-head section at the end of the podcast so a lot to get to very excited and before we get to any of that just a quick note about the podcast so as i mentioned we're on baby number two watch obviously i'm still here that's because we're going to be induced on sunday night that's when the process will officially get started we're scheduled there unfortunately probably be at the end of the talladega race but we'll see Um, so that puts the kansas episode in jeopardy we're going to see how everything plays out depending on the schedule we may even still be in the hospital at that point where i'm usually recording so uh, just pay attention if you are interested on instagram i'll give an update and even if i don't get an episode out which i really will try to do um even if it's late but if we can't get one out i'll throw some detailed pics out there on instagram and twitter at full tank phil so give us a follow there so just wanted to give the update there on the podcast so now let's take a look back happily at Richmond. So was it a good race? I think uh, there's a big time question mark in the NASCAR world right now of whether or not Richmond is just a a bad track or not. But when you're winning money, who gives a shit? Last week, had we had one of the best weeks we've had all year, maybe since we've been started doing this podcast, really. So we went 6-0 in head-to-head picks. Two separate parlays hit. And that included the guest pick from Jordan Maccabee of FantasyRacingOnline.com. So the guests are two for their last two with Jordan Bianchi and Jordan Maccabee. The Jordan's killing it. Obviously, 6-0. I like to spread out those picks individually. The big one individually was Fading Blaney. So it was Byron versus Blaney. That was a head-to-head matchup that I was very nervous about early on. Blaney showed some speed early, but then eventually things kind of came back down to to reality there for the 12 car as he dropped into the mid-teens and, and mid-pack stuff there. So that kept the podcast parlay alive, kept the guest picks alive as well as Jordan was all over that with Christopher Bell. But in addition to that, the Kevin Harvick blown tire at the end saved the day because we had him in the podcast picks against Kyle Busch. 
Kyle was not going to catch him in those last 20 laps or so, and just out of nowhere, the blown tire just completely changes the outcome of the day altogether. A perfect score in the head-to-head matchups could not be any better than that. I was on cloud nine on Sunday night. Then we had top 10 picks, Austin Dillon, Christopher Bell, both well within the top 10s there. And then Sunday morning, fired up the old FanDuel sportsbook and saw the, the group bet for Eric Amarola facing three other guys and locked in plus 300, hit on that bet as well as Amarola took control of his season a bit. And then on top of everything, we hit the over because we talked about wonky winners. And if you're going to get some of those, most likely the number is going to be over 11 and a half. And that's exactly what it was. The only thing we missed out on was the winner of the race, which all race seemed like that was the absolute lock because we went with the strongest guys and mostly chalk with Hamlin, Truex, and Logano, and those were the guys that were dominating all race long. So it even felt like we were going to lock them up as well, or the win up. But then Bowman comes out of nowhere and steals the win. Very impressive. That's just a, you know, you can't even say that that was a steal. That was a just great executed race by the 48 team at the end. I mean, they had speed all race. They just didn't get a chance to show it because of track position, really. And then at the very end, they get that opportunity with that restart, and they took advantage of it. So can't even hate on that, even though we didn't have them to win the race. Uh, pretty good payout. I think he was above 20 to 1, if I'm not mistaken, at one point last week. So pretty cool uh, for that team. Some guys bounced back. We're going to talk about at least one of them even more throughout this episode. But all in all, really good race for the podcast. A lot of people, like I said, kind of hating on it, saying it was, uh, except for that last caution, a pretty boring race. So, you know, we'll see. People kind of saying it was more of like a mile and a half track, and that's what it's kind of been. So been listening to a lot of reaction, whether it's a radio or podcast, just seems like that's what... The general consensus is right now from people with Richmond. And I saw a funny meme out there when it came to Alex Bowman victories. Chicago land, no longer on the circuit. California and the Auto Club, no longer on the circuit. And now Richmond, and a lot of people hating on Richmond. I don't think they'll ever take away Richmond from the, the circuit, but just kind of a funny meme to think. You know, now this track is starting to become out of favor with everyone. Just kind of funny to think about. So... In any case, Bowman's your winner, and we were winners last week, so it feels really good. Now, we will then have to move forward, even though we love to take more victory laps, you know, because it was a bounce-back week. We struggled at Martinsville, bounce-back at Richmond. Now we got to look ahead, because Talladega, in addition to being the biggest track on the circuit, it's a big week, because there are big payouts to be had if you get the combination of luck and educated picks, and that's what we're after this weekend, because this is very much like Daytona. I mean, it's a super speedway, but it's like Daytona because it gets the fanfare from more of the general sports fan base. So you may be getting texts from your non-NASCAR friends this weekend saying, hey, who do you like at Talladega? And it puts a little bit more pressure on you as the NASCAR fan and the gambler because it's a total crapshoot. We know this. It's a lot harder, but 
the payouts are so much better because it's so much harder to win this race or perform well here and avoid the big ones. The odds are much, much longer. So it's an opportunity for you to get your friends into it because if you give them some good advice, then they might be into NASCAR moving forward and, and keep hitting you up and watch the races with you. So those long odds are a good way to attract some people to NASCAR in general. So we got good values across the board because of what a wild race it is. It doesn't matter what driver you are. There are really good values all around, whether you're talking winners, top tens, head to heads, there are opportunities out there for us. And we're going to get to all of those. But first, let's take a look at the track stats, 103 races here. Now, when you think of super speedways, you think, hey, anybody could win at the super speedways. But that necessarily hasn't been the case in the past. So the winner has started on the pole 14 times out of 103. And the last time it happened, well, we don't have to look too far. Denny Hamlin last year in 2020 was your race winner starting on the pole. And guess who's starting the pole this week? Denny Hamlin. We'll talk more about him in just a bit. But starting in the top five, that's where it gets a little surprising to me. 56 times the winner has started in the top five and 73 times out of 103. So it's essentially like 72% of the time the winner started in the top 10. That's surprising to me. That's the same type of ratio that you would see at a short track or a intermediate track. The same here at Talladega. Very, very strange. And starting outside of the top 20, which is what you usually think of, right? Like anybody's game, people way outside have a chance at it. It's only happened eight times. And the last time somebody did it was Denny Hamlin, again, back in 2014, where he started 34th, I believe it was. So interesting track stats, to say the least. Now, for looking for a manufacturer trend, you don't have to go anywhere past Ford because they dominate at Talladega in recent history. They've won 10 of the last 13 races, including a stretch of seven in a row from 2015 through 2018. Very impressive from Ford. So we're going to call out some Ford drivers here to win the race in just a bit. So this is a fun race. There's no other way to say it. And as we go through our typical segments like winners, top tens, and head-to-heads, you may hear me mix in, you know, a random thought about another type of bet as we're talking, just because there's so many fun odds out there and so many fun combinations of things you could talk about. So keep your eyes peeled and we'll do a, a recap at the end, obviously. But my strategy for this week, as far as winners are concerned, I'm going a little bit different. We're going the Goldilocks routine. I, I call it Goldilocks. I don't think that analogy is actually perfect, but we're going to go with somebody who's the, the favorite, then somebody who's a little bit longer odds, and then somebody right in the middle, just right. Um, but that just right comes with a bit of a twist. So that'll be the last one we get to. So let's start up on the winners, and we're going to start with Denny Hamlin at plus 650. He's also going off at plus 125 to finish in the top five. That's also a bet that I am very interested in. He's starting on the pole. We just talked about how he won from the pole just last year. And last year, he really established himself in my mind as just the super speedway guy. His Daytona success, his win here last year. It really made me think, you know, I can remember specifically saying to myself, every single time we come to a super speedway, I have to throw money down on the 11 car. It just makes sense. 
And because it's a super speedway, you're getting some elevated odds here. So plus 650 is pretty good for a guy who just seems to have it going on in general. So if you look at just those track stats that we mentioned, I mean, he won from the pole, but he also won from 34th. So it shows that he has the ability to get it done no matter where he starts. And he is a guy that, you know, can lead laps when he's up front, but he's also not afraid to lay in the back, let the big one happen, and then he pounces like a cheetah in the wild. So in his last 10 races, one win, five top fives, six top tens. His average finish is 11.3. That's second out of everyone. His driver rating is sixth, 86.0. Those are all good numbers, but he's just so strong here lately, kind of going with what we were saying earlier, how he's just emerged as this super speedway guy because four of his last five races here at Talladega, he's been finishing in the top five. He had a wreck in the spring of 2019. So that kind of ruins that driver rating projection where we see things from driver rating getting better and better and better. He had a wreck and that's going to mess that up. But four of the last five races, top five finishes, that's a big, big deal. So he's strong here, obviously. Then you look at this year in a nutshell, eight of nine races this year, he's finished in the top five. So that has given him a huge points lead. So that tells me a few different things. One, you shouldn't be afraid to take that top five bet, even at a super speedway. He finished fifth at Daytona. He's got the car. He's got the ability to put the car in victory lane, plus 125, not too bad. The The reason you're getting better odds there is because of the inevitable big one, and you got to hope that he's not caught up in it. He seems to have a knack, knocking on wood, that he can get around that stuff. But then he also has such a large points lead because of all these top fives. He's just pointing these guys to death that he has the ability to kind of play a little bit more loosey-goosey with it this weekend. When is he going to get his victory? We said it last weekend, and I really thought that he was going to get it done. I am at a point right now where I feel like I have to just keep taking him until he wins a race. That's just how I feel. This is a very similar situation uh, to what I was in earlier. I am a degenerate gambler, obviously, with NASCAR, but I bet all sports, and baseball is one of them. I'm from Philadelphia, a big Philadelphia Phillies fan. To start the year, basically every single game, Bryce Harper, our best player for the Phillies, um, he's going off pretty much every game plus 350 to hit a home run. And the first games of the season, I was betting that. And he wasn't hitting one, so I would double down and then double down again. And it almost <laughs> took my whole bank account, but I finally got it back. Um, it was feeling pretty strapped there, but it's a similar situation. Every week, I'm taking Denny Hamlin to win the race, last couple, it seems like, and eventually it has to click. Just like Harper eventually came around and, and knocked a dinger, Denny is going to come through and he's going to win a race. You want to be on the right side of it. So at plus 650, I'm not scared of it. Solid value at Talladega. I like it. Lock it in for the 11 car. Now, that's the one side of the, the Goldilocks analogy here. Let's go a little bit further out, the long shot odds, and you could call it a long shot. There are a lot of guys who are way further down the list that if you said to me, hey, Phil, I, I really like this guy for XYZ. He's going off at plus 4,000. I'm probably not going to have too much of a rebuttal for you because, hey, it's possible. I mean, 
why not? We, we saw what happened at Daytona this year. But the guy I'm going with right now is Eric Almirola. Plus 1,600 to win the race. Plus 105 to finish in the top 10. That's a really good value that we're going to touch on in just a second. But let's stick with just the 10 car winning the race. You've got that Ford trend. Okay, he's driving the Ford. And he is just a great case study in general. So I don't even know really where to start with Eric Amarola, but maybe just the way we normally go and go with his last 10 races. He has one win in 2018, five top fives and eight top tens. So his last 10 races have two bookends of DNFs. His most recent race, he had a DNF where he finished 37th last year. And then 10 races back, he had a DNF where he finished, you know, well outside the, the top 30. So everything else in between, top 10 finishes. So one of the reasons why we loved Michael McDowell at Daytona this past year was because of McDowell's average finish. It was surprising. He was a random name and he was first in that category. Well, at Talladega, it's the same story, just a different character. Eric Almarola leads everyone with their average finish at 10.5. It's first out of everyone. So pretty interesting when you think about how things are going this year with the winners being different. He seems to fit that narrative. His driver rating is 12th. It's not, you know, great. Nothing to really write home about. But he is part of that storyline where it improves each time you look at more recent races. And if you look at just the last four races, he's sixth out of everyone. And that includes that 37th place finish last year. So what's that tell you? It's really strong, even in a bad finish. His average running position, you know, I'm not sure if the running position stat is very helpful at a racetrack like this, but it's 16.1, 12th. The reason it's not that helpful probably is because you've got guys who run way in the back and let the race come to them, let the wrecks happen. But in any case, he's 12th in that category and he's ahead of the likes of Denny Hamlin. So these are guys who are okay with maybe sitting back and capitalizing on a little bit. So those are really good numbers. And then when you look at his career highlights, he's essentially a sneaky super speedway guy. His only wins have come at Daytona and Talladega. So this is clearly a racetrack that he has in his mind circled and he's coming off of the bounce back week. So this is where I was saying this could be a case study because you've got all this great history at this racetrack, but such a shitty season so far. Well, last weekend he was able to step up finish in the top 10. He almost had a top five for crying out loud. And just to put an exclamation point on how rough of a season he's been having, even with that awesome finish last week, he's only moved up to 26th in points. Really rough season so far. So with all that being said, this is an absolutely perfect opportunity for that 10 car. You'd be kidding yourselves by thinking that they're not trying to go out and win this race because, you know, it's not every week that a team has the ability to go and win it. They'll say it, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to put the car in victory lane, blah, 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 sponsor, 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 but they don't have the ability. This is a team that needs it. They're getting to the point now where if they have a few more bad races, they're going to be in a must-win situation. So they are definitely preparing for the opportunity to be there in the end. And if he is in the end... I would watch out. So plus 1,600, give that a hard look. Then the other 
random matchup here. He's going up against Martin Truex Jr. as the favorite here, minus 122 in a head-to-head matchup. I'm all over Eric Amarola in this matchup. Truex is not good here at Talladega. He's improved super speedways in general. Daytona, though, especially, not Talladega. I think sometimes people get confused between the two, even though they're so similar. There is a difference. And so I'm taking Eric Almarola in this matchup. We'll talk about that later on. So going heavy on the 10 car. So now let's talk about the right in the middle pick. And this is where I get a little bit different, a little off the beaten trail a bit. I'm really loving the Penske Trio plus 325. You're getting all three of these guys. It's technically a prop bet, but I am going to be throwing extra money on it because think about, you know, a random week, right? Especially maybe like road course weeks. You're going to have the favorite going off around plus 325. So that number, it's boosted up for you because we're at this track I'm all over it with these three guys. The reason is because their stats here are unreal, and it fits the Ford trend. Combined, all three of these drivers have 10 career wins at Talladega. In the last 10 races, they've got six wins, two each, nine top fives, 11 top tens. Their driver ratings across the board, first, second, and fourth, and their average running positions are one, two, and three. So Penske... They love being up front. They're very powerful. It just makes so much sense to kind of double down on this Penske bet at plus 325 to get these strong race cars because it's really tough to choose between them. Now, I'm definitely taking that bet and I'm definitely going hard on it. But if you had to choose between the three, I'll throw my last driver out there, which is Ryan Blaney at plus 1,000. We faded him last week. I told you that we'd kind of rectify that this week. Blaney at this number is is too appealing to me to give up. I was kind of expecting him to be, you know, a little bit shorter odds, but I like it. In his last 10 races, he's got back-to-back wins from 2019 to 2020. So, very strong there at Super Speedways in general, and his Daytona numbers are very great. So, if you are somebody who tries to put that spin on it, I mean, at Daytona, he's just been the bridesmaid, never the bride there for multiple races, seems like, in a row. So now taking it back to Talladega, if you're looking at his driver rating, he's a guy who, where you look at it from 10 races back and then six races back and four races more recently, it just keeps getting better. So overall, his average driver rating is fourth out of everyone, but in just the last four races, It's extremely strong. Second on the circuit, 100.2 is the number. And that is with a wreck last race. So that tells you that he's just very strong recently. So that's why when I'm looking at the Penske Trio, if I have to choose, you know, between them, I'm going to go with him. He's the hot hand here for that stable. But I'm all over all of it here. It's a bounce back for Richmond for Blaney. Penske's just so good. Lock me in, plus 325 for the Penske prop, and Ryan Blaney, plus 1,000. He's right in the middle of these Goldilocks picks with Denny Hamlin at plus 650 and Eric Amarola, plus 1,600. So let's move over to the top 10 section. This is essentially the Wild West because 
you're getting great odds on really solid drivers. It kind of reminds me of the dirt race at Bristol because there was only a few guys that were like minus money and then the rest were all plus 105 and above. And it's very similar right here at Talladega. There's only a couple guys who are really heavy favorites to finish in the top 10. But I already mentioned one guy who stood out to me. It's the guy who leads the field in top 10 finishes, and that's Eric Almirola. He's got eight of them in his last 10 races. He is going off at plus 105 to finish in the top 10. I absolutely need to take that. You heard me ramp up everything there is to do around him. So we're not going to spend more time breaking him down, but just locking that in for sure. Now, Let's get to just a couple guys that I really want to dive into for, you know, specific reasons and then just kind of riffing a little bit. So let's start with William Byron, younger gun, going off at plus 130, such solid value there for this guy. Eight starts, or no, I'm sorry, six starts, one top 10. When you look at it that way, you're like, what the hell are you talking about, Phil? But When you look at it a little bit closer, he finished fourth last race, 11th in the spring, so he just missed it there. And the thing that stands out to me here with William Byron is that he has improved each time he's come back to Talladega. His driver rating improves, his finishes improve, his average running position is sixth compared to everyone, 13.2. I mean, he's part of that Hendrick crew. They like to get up front. He doesn't like to kind of sit in the back and wait. I like a guy who is ahead of everyone because then you can't wreck. So you've got a a younger driver that really seems to be coming into his own this year. I mean, we already know he has that win, so he's got that pressure off of him. So only one top 10, I get it, but this just seems like a strong vehicle, strong driver, a guy who's learning every time he comes back to the track. Plus 130 stands out to me. I like it. 24 car finishing in the top 10 this weekend. Then we're going to go kind of the opposite, right? We've got a a younger guy just really starting to figure out. We're going to go to a guy who has it figured out. It's Kurt Busch plus 155. I've said in the past, I kind of need to figure out a way to quit Kurt Busch, but I'm, I'm still addicted. Plus 155 really got my attention. Then when I saw that he's tied for the second most top 10 finishes here, with six of them in his last 10 races, it really just was too good to resist. Then I noticed a pattern, and that pattern is every other race he finishes inside the top 10, and that's been going on for like the last six races or so. And last race, last time we were here, he finished 32nd. So that would tell you, if you're a mathematician out there, that the spring race is actually the one that he prefers, if it's every other Um, So that's something that as a gambler, I've got to be like, whoa, we got to take a strong look at that here. And that would just tell you that he's due. I mean, if the pattern were to continue, he's up. He's got the sixth best average finish out of everyone, 13.4, and the third best average driver rating. Very surprising. Kurt Busch is that guy. 92.0 is that average driver rating. So I like those odds for someone, if I were to give you the blind resume there, six top tens in his last 10, there's stats about the driver rating and the every other pattern. doesn't matter who it is. I'm probably locking that guy in without the name. And just so happens it's the one car. The concern there 
Ganassi really hasn't been able to figure it out, but hey, maybe this is that bounce back week they're looking for, that little shot of lightning that they need. So the one car plus 155. Those are really the three guys, when you count the, the Amarola pick, that I really like for the top tens. Just some thoughts. You know, I'm going to have to look harder about it as the week unfolds, but I'd like to make the observation that you're going to have to find some other guys, right? Some guys that maybe you're not used to seeing in the top 10. So that's where Tyler Reddick comes into play. I mean, rookie finished seventh here last spring, but when you're thinking of random people that are going to fill out this top 10, you know, we're going to have big ones, probably multiple. And who's going to be left over? Well, there's going to be some randoms in there. Tyler Reddick could be one of those guys at plus 165. That seems intriguing to me. His two races last year, he was 7th and 20th. His average driver rating was in the 70s. I mean, it's not like he was performing out of his mind and, and finished 20th. I mean, he was pretty much average, but sometimes that's all you need. You just need to get a little lucky and avoid the wreck. So he's someone that I'm looking at. But then there's a bigger name. Because I mentioned, I mean, this is kind of like the Wild West. You're getting big names for long shot values. When was the last time we saw Kevin Harvick going off at plus 130 to finish in the top 10? I was pretty harsh when it came to Harvick back when we were in Daytona, and that team really shut me up. I mean, they finished fourth at Daytona, and I was going on and on and on about how I felt like Harvick is just over the super speedway game. It's just not his thing anymore. He's kind of just that grizzled vet, doesn't really care, you know, trying to make jokes about him, and then he went out and finished fourth. So he's got one top five, three top tens in his last 10 races here, and that includes a 10th place finish last spring. So you take that in consideration, that 10th last spring, fourth place at Daytona, the fact that they're so-called struggling, Stuart Haas as a team, this is something that they have to be clinging to. You, you throw the, the 10 car in there as well. This whole race shop is definitely putting this race under a microscope. And I could see Kevin Harvick outperforming what he's usually done here in the past and coming out with a top 10 at plus 130. That's something that I'm not locking in, but I'm going to be giving it a, a harder look as the weekend comes up. So those are just kind of the, the riffs. You know, there's some other guys. There's definitely one other guy that we're going to talk about, but I'm saving it for the head-to-head -head conversation. Now, as far as props are concerned, I mentioned the Penske plus 325 bet to win the race, that race team. The other one that I'm only going to mention here, just one more, is the over-under. It's 11.5 again. We hit with this last week. Now, the guys that I called out to win the race, we called out the 10 car and the 11 car and the Penske trio, where Keselowski is obviously under 11.5 as well, but... The point that I'm trying to make here is that Talladega, I don't know how many times we have to say it, it's a complete crapshoot. So if you're going to get a, a random guy that sneaks in here, just like last weekend, just like the 500, it's most likely going to be coming from the over 11.5 crowd in a really high number. So lock in the over for me. It worked last week. I'm going back to that well over 11.5 minus 115. So that's going to wrap it up. Just to recap the top 10s, I like Almirola, Byron, and Kurt Busch, all with really good odds. Can I do again? Yeah. Can you sound my baseball? Sure. 
Wow! Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow! That's good advice! So finally this week we're getting to the head-to-head -head section and this is where we've been making our bones so far this year. 6-0 last week. Don't know if you heard that, but uh, just wanted to reiterate that. Shouting from the rooftops. Can we repeat with the, the big picks that we're calling out here? We got three of them and then kind of riffing on a few more. So last week the name of the game was just big names, the stars, the heavy hitter drivers. Well... This week, the sports books are giving us so many random new names that it's just so hard for me to resist going all in on these guys that are typically in the back of the pack. So that's what we're going with this week is the, the back of the packs. And we'll get a little backpack parlay there. I would actually probably hesitate, you know, to throw these picks into a parlay just because it's so hard to hit parlays at the super speedways. But hey, maybe it'll just be even more of a payout. So Let's start with Eric Jones taking on Ryan Priest. Have we even talked about any of these guys or either of these guys so far this year? Probably Jones earlier, but these guys are separated by only 16 points in the standings. We've got Priest, who's 21st, and Jones, who's 26th, I believe. Um, so that would tell me by looking at the standings that they're racing against each other most of this year, right? When you're in that section of the standings, those are the guys that you're driving around every Sunday. So they are familiar with each other, I'm sure. So let's start with Eric Jones and his history at Talladega. In eight starts, he has two top five finishes and three top ten finishes. That sounds pretty intriguing, right? His driver rating is 71.7 but it improves to 84.7 in his last four races. The reason for that, two top five finishes last year at Talladega. He had a fifth place finish and second in the sprint. That's phenomenal, but there's a but that's associated with that. He's no longer in the 20 car, and I think you could probably say that he was racing his tail off for a new contract at that point, right, when we were at Talladega, at least the first time, and uh, maybe even the second time. I forget when the deal went down with Christopher Bell stealing his ride, but in either case, he's no longer in the 20 car. He's in the 43 car, and when you look at the history of that race car and the team, Alberola did pretty well there, but Wallace did not coming out of that 43 car so that's the type of thing that even though i'm throwing some pretty good stats at you it makes me hesitate a little bit now he did have the third fastest lap this year at daytona the 500 but how did that finish for him well he finished 39th in that race actually i do remember talking about eric jones earlier in this season because i think it was the daytona episode and he really let us down i was kind of you know poo-pooing the fact that he was out of the 20 car but really has seemed like it's made a difference for him and that team because they're not even in the top 25 in the standings. So also, if you want to really go a little bit further in detail here with Jones, he's crashed four out of the eight times. So that's 50-50. He's either you know finishing the race and doing pretty well, or he's completely out. Complete hit or miss when we're talking about Eric Jones in the 43 car. So now let's look at Ryan Priest. A little bit smaller sample size here. Four starts, 
one top five, two top ten finishes, which was something that surprised me. But if you want to be shocked, you don't want to be surprised. You want to be shocked. His average finish is 11.5. That's good enough for third out of everyone. His driver rating is 77.4. He finished 10th here in the fall race at Talladega, third in his first ever appearance at Talladega in a cup car in 2019 in the spring race there. So those stats are pretty surprising to me because I don't really think about Ryan Priest on a weekly basis, but it's very clear that if we're going to be thinking about Ryan Priest, this is probably the racetrack to be doing it, right? He finished fourth, if you want to talk about super speedways kind of in general here, fourth this year at Daytona. So that's something where we talked about Eric Jones laying down the third fastest lap this year at Daytona, but how'd that work out for him? Not too well. Then you got Ryan Priest. He's cruising around like 22nd fastest lap at Daytona, finishes fourth. So seems to have a knack maybe for avoiding the wreck. I would say that that's true because in all four starts at Talladega, he's finished in the top 20. So that's something that really stands out to you. You want guys that can finish the race, that can keep it in the top half of the the roster here. So head-to-head, they're 2-2. and I'm going with Ryan Priest to break that stalemate. Minus 115 this weekend over Eric Jones. Lock it in. I just really like it. You know, JTG Doherty Racing. I like them. And that's a good segue into our next pick because this is one that I think is the mismatch of the week. And it's Priest's teammate, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., taking on Bubba Wallace. These guys are going off at minus 115. Mark my words, on race day, those will not be the odds. Ricky Stenhouse will be the favorite in this matchup come race day. I would bet on that. But this matchup does not make sense to me whatsoever. I would mentioned how there's a guy in the head-to-head section that we're going to be talking about to finish in the, the top 10. Ricky Stenhouse is one of them. But before we do that, Let's just take a look at Bubba Wallace, right? Because I think there's just this misconception out there with Wallace where people are thinking of his Daytona success. You know, he's had some pretty good finishes at Daytona, but that success does not just automatically translate over to Talladega. And Wallace is the perfect use case of that. Six starts, his average finish is 22.7. His best finish is 14th. That happened last spring. He's got two wrecks. In those six races, his driver rating is 65.7. I mean, do you ever feel comfortable betting on a guy whose driver rating is in the mid-60s? I mean, it's probably a pretty special case if that's true, but that's not what you want, all right? Not much to cling to here if you're looking to throw money on Bubba Wallace. I mean, maybe it's the, the new vehicle, the new team, the 23 car, driving for a Toyota this year. I'm not sure what it is that you would try to say to say, hey, Bubba is the pick in this matchup. I really don't know what it is. If you're a Bubba Wallace fan out there, I'd love to hear it. Why is Bubba Wallace in this matchup with somebody like Ricky Stenhouse Jr.? It just doesn't compute with me. So obviously I love Ricky Stenhouse right now. Last 10 races, he's got one win, five top five, six top tens. And to finish in the top 10, let's stick on that for a second. He's plus 130. Lock that in. Like, right on par. He should be going up against Eric Amarola in a head-to-head matchup, not Bubba Wallace. His average finish is 13.0. That's fifth out of everyone. 
His driver rating, 81.5, that's 10th, and his average running position is 15.8, that's 9th. He finished second here last spring. I don't know what else I have to tell you. I'm ripping off these stats. They have to be impressive to you, especially because the guy we just read his stats for, they were depressing, to be quite honest with you. Now, if you look at Ricky Stenhouse as a driver, he's really, really settled down this year. He's always had that reputation of just going out, wheeling it, being very aggressive, getting in people's way, pissing people off, especially at super speedways. But this year, he's 14th in points. He's holding on strong. So, like I said, he should be going up against Elmer Rowland head-to-head because he, just like Eric, has two career wins, one at Talladega and one at Daytona. He's a super speedway guy. We know this. I mean, that's not a shock to the world. We talked about him when we were looking at the 500. This is an easy pick. If these two guys, and I know it's a big if, but if these two guys are both in it at the end of the day, Stenhouse is going to win this matchup. The only way Stenhouse loses this matchup is if he's caught up in some big wreck, which he's been known to do from time to time. He could be causing those wrecks. But if they're both running at the end, I cannot see Wallace being ahead of Stenhouse in this matchup. And the head-to-head history here at Talladega would prove me right there. A 5-1 to one record. Stenhouse holds over Wallace at Talladega. Lock it in. I mean, Ricky, minus 115 while you can get it, because I think on race day it's going to be like minus 143, something to that nature. Um, Really don't understand what's happening here. I I feel like maybe I'm overlooking something. If so, let me know. But this is definitely the lock of the week. And if you've got a buddy of yours who's a non-NASCAR fan saying, hey, what's the move this weekend? Who do we like? Throw this their way head-to-head for them. All right, so now we'll move on to the last matchup. More backpack guys here. Chris Busher, minus 122, taking on Michael McDowell at minus 109. So the way you can kind of describe this matchup of these guys is more of a, a battle of survival because they both have quite a few DNFs among them. In the last 10 races, nine combined DNFs between these two drivers. That's pretty impressive in itself. So let's start to zero in here on Michael McDowell. He's our Daytona 500 champion. We were all over it. We called Michael out for the the 500 and the road course, really. We talked all about his stats there and how they jump out to you. It makes sense to throw money down on him. How could the sports books be missing him, right? I knew that when we came to Talladega, they'd have something on Michael McDowell in the head-to-head section. And we were not disappointed here. They've got him up here against Busher. But the thing is, this is not Daytona. This is a totally different track, even though they're both super speedways and they both have that same long shot, long odds look to them. It's very similar to what we are saying about Bubba Wallace. It's just different. His When we're talking about Michael McDowell, his average finish is 27.2. That is very, very bad in your last 10 races, and his driver rating backs that up. It's 59.0 and declines as we get more recent. He has one top five finish, which was a fifth place in 2019, which I think you may get some people out there that are saying, wait a second, we're going to a super speedway? This is the Daytona 500 reigning champion. 
Oh, and he has a fifth place finish here? Lock me in. You'd be silly to do that because of the 10 races, the last 10 races rather, he's got seven of those where he's finished outside the top 20. And that's really what I want to focus on here in this conversation is when we're talking about head-to-head matchups, especially guys like this who are not heavy hitters in NASCAR, you're looking for the guys who are consistently finishing in that mid-pack range. If you're not even finishing in like around that top 20 area, like well beyond the top 20, he's the one who has five DNFs. That's a problem for me in a head-to-head matchup because just the odds there would tell you that you know it's going to take him probably behind the guy that he's going up against, right? I hope I'm making sense here when I'm saying this. It's just the law of averages are going to kick in and they're going to tell you this guy's not going to finish ahead of who he's facing. So that's a big factor here. So now let's look at Chris Buescher. He finished sixth in this spring race last year. But other than that, there's not much you can really say for the positive, just looking at the the quick looks, right? So you got to dig a little bit deeper. His average finish is 20.0 in his last 10 races. His driver rating is 66.2. But obviously we talked about who wants to take a guy in the 60s, right? But I said there's some circumstances that you might want to do that. And here's one in the last four races, that driver rating skyrockets to 82.4. So that's telling you that he's been putting it together recently, right? Four DNFs for him, but the difference, and this is the big thing that I want to cling to here, the difference is that his DNFs, unlike Michael McDowell, have not completely killed him when we're talking about a head-to-head matchup. He has four of them, one where he finished 37th, not good, and another where he finished 30th, but the two others, DNFs now, 20th place finish and 17th place finish. So if you're telling me that you're able to survive long enough in the race. And then finally, when you wreck out, there are so few cars left on the track, you finish 20th and 17th. I'll take that because in a head-to-head matchup, that's a win a lot of times when you're facing these guys who are down the the roster sheet. So I like that head-to-head against Michael McDowell in the last 10 races. Busher surprisingly has a 7-3 to lead in their own personal series here. So that's surprising to me, but I think it's just because Michael McDowell has that fanfare now, the Daytona 500 champ on him, that people automatically might flock to him. I am not in this matchup. Maybe when we get back to Daytona, I'll be back on him. But here, I don't see anything from his history that screams, hey, pick me, pick me. So Chris Buescher, minus 122 is my pick there. So lock me in for Busher in the 17 car. So... I talked about those are the three guys that we wanted to really dive deep onto. Just a, a couple quick notes here. I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Amarola versus Truex going off at minus 122. I liked that matchup. It's coming very clear to me now that I'm like all in on Eric Amarola this weekend and I'm really crossing my fingers on that 10 car. But that is one that stands out just because Truex, you know, I think I mentioned it earlier. He's not a guy that jumps out to me as a, a guy who's going to win the race here, um, where I do think Amarola could do that. So I like that. More of a maybe on race day, I'll throw that in into a parlay here. And then a couple others. I took Hamlin to win the race, but head-to-head, he's going up against Joey Logano, a Penske driver who has really good history at this racetrack, and Logano's odds are plus 100. 
So that's something that just completely is shouting to me. Like, why would Logano have such good odds for him to take him plus 100 where it's a super speedway? Anything could happen. Hamlin could get wrecked on the first lap and then all of a sudden, boom, that underdog's going to cash in for you. So that's another one that I'm looking a little bit harder at come Sunday morning. And then the last thing, this is another one that I'm going to have to look a little bit harder at as the week unfolds, but I'm putting a feeler out there, a little bit of a lean, I guess you could call it, is Austin Dillon. We know his success on super speedways, his success recently in this season. He's putting together a, a pretty good season so far. He's going head-to-head versus Christopher Bell. He's the underdog in that matchup, minus 112 for Austin Dillon. And Bell, in the 95 car last year, was not good. I mean, he sucked. Small sample size, yes. Different car now in the 20 car. We talked about Eric Jones's success last year. So you could kind of throw that lens on it and say, okay, in that team, he's going to do much better. But I am intrigued by Austin Dillon in that matchup. So look a little bit harder. Maybe we'll throw those three that I just mentioned, the ones that I'm kind of riffing on, into a little long shot parlay. I don't know. We'll, we'll look into that as we go. But I'm definitely all in. On Ryan Priest, minus 115, Ricky Stenhouse, minus 115, and Chris Busher, minus 122. Get them while you can, because those odds might change. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. We're looking to stay hot with some big odds at the biggest racetrack in NASCAR, Talladega, this weekend. Make sure you get out there, place your bets early, because those odds might change. Hoping to have a big, big weekend once again. I'll do my best to get another episode out there next week for Kansas. Until then, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Go. Hell no place to go.